Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name is Al Gavada. Thank you very much for joining us. It is episode 19. I can't even, I haven't even figured out what uh, movie quote I want to put on the, um, barely legal. On the, yeah. Hey. I don't know. Is there, wait, is there any quote I can use off that? That's a whole other story. All right. I don't know. How do you spell? How do you spell? Anyway, welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. Uh, a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about today, uh, mainly um, Star Wars being knocked off the uh, the top. We're also going to be talking about the trending hashtag Oscar So White. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about that one. Yeah. Um, Jamie Foxx, action hero in real life. And uh, so far, uh, 2016 Celebrity Deaths Interview. At the end of January. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a long list. Already. And we're not even, we're barely past halfway, hmm. halfway of uh, January. Anyway, it's like the purge. All, yeah, exactly. All, way, uh, all that's coming up as well as some top of mind stuff. My name's Al Gavada with me as uh, oh. occasionally. <laughs> Your brother Joe. That's right, brother Joe. Thanks a lot for joining us. You also brought some stuff. The um, 21st Annual Critics' Choice Awards were uh, on Sunday. We got yes. the winners, right? Yes, the list of winners. Excellent. We got that coming up. And you also mentioned some. Something else, House of Cards. House the of Cards, yeah. next season coming up here soon on Netflix, and I also got something on top of mind regarding Netflix as well. Right, all right, we're gonna kick it off from boxofficemojo.com, starting at the top of the box office, right along to check the number one spot with uh, about thirty-five million dollars, but a whopping not as much as 2014's Ride Along that had a forty-one point five million dollar opening. So it wasn't quite able to get up there. I think the four-day weekend wound up being about thirty-nine million for Ride Along 2. So it still did okay, but it has a B-plus cinema store, cinema score rather, as opposed to an A an A that the original one had. Yeah, and again, it's a, it's a sequel. It could hit or miss. Uh, the tag, the, the repeated tag, the brothers-in-law are in town or back in town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't really go too wrong with Kevin Hart. Yeah, he's been he's been firing pretty much on all cylinders. However, is it going to be as a successful? It, it's almost a one-note performance, you know, yeah. like Will Ferrell. Yeah. Now, he cashed in on it. Some might say Adam Sandler. You yeah. know, kind of catching on it. So far, he's been doing well. Yeah, he has. he has. He has. There's a little bit of varied his character. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, this one, again, they take him to a different location, locale and so forth. So let's see. I haven't seen it. I've seen just the, the, the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the... the <laughs> A straight, ice straight cube man, straight ice man. Cube, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that plays well. As, he's as always well. fun. He's yeah, he's funny. Yeah, and, and considering he's uh, one of the main characters from Straight Out of Compton, yeah, don't see the same. <laughs> you know, uh, what was that other movie? He did the Family Road Trip one? Family, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you never know. out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in at number two, The Revenant actually did very well, leading the 2015 Oscar nominations with 12, following up its excellent wide release last weekend with an estimated 29.5 million dollars this weekend. That's a mere 25.9 percent drop, actually better than American Sniper did on its second weekend. Falling from the weekend top spot for the first time is Star Wars The Force Awakens, but still bringing in over $25 million. Yeah. yeah. So not too shabby. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, The Revenant uh, as, uh, as I was talking about it. And I'm a little... I don't know if... Um, what am I trying to say here? The 12 Oscar nominations. Is it a payoff to the, I think, very calculated decision that Leonardo DiCaprio said, I really need myself this Oscar. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
uh, have a bear attack me, and I'll sleep naked inside a dead horse. Do you think that'll do it? <laughs> so do yeah. I have do I have to be gay and uh, you know, or have a, a mental uh, issue as well? Can we toss those in there? They'll seem to work as well in the Oscar voters. Yeah, he just uh, went all out. Yeah. Uh, and um, like you said, vying for that for that coveted gold statuette. It's like, what do I have to do? Yeah, for crying out loud. I mean, uh, Anna Paquin, who went on to play Rogue in the X-Men movies, won one when she was 12. How can <laughs> I win not win? You know. Other people were saying that um, Will Smith also hasn't won one, but I don't know if you want to... I don't know if I'd put Will Smith at this, in the same level acting quality-wise as Leonardo DiCaprio. No, well, only because... He's they, a good actor, yes. He is, he is. I think if he, if he would have got one, it would have been for Ali. Mm-hmm. I don't know what won that year. I can't recall. Yeah, I don't know. But that was a very good. That was a very good portrayal. Mm-hmm. The transformation he took on was very was dramatic, dr- drastic, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so you know I don't know this this movie that he did this year. Eh. Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness was also very well done. Very well. I done. think uh, the deliberate sabotage uh, in the Pursuit of Happiness was uh, that he had Jaden on there as well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was before we hated Jaden. Yeah, before, before he kind of went off the off the rails. Off there. the rails and say, "I am the next uh, it." Yeah, don't child. It's not going to happen. Jaden's not going to happen. Oh, Star Wars, we we're talking about it. The domestic cube has now gone to $856.9 million. Meanwhile, it's become the fifth highest grossing release internationally. Only the fifth film to bring over $1 billion from overseas territories. It's now over $1.012 billion, resulting in over $1.8 billion worldwide. At that time, it currently sat only $4.1 million shy of Jurassic World's overseas gross, soon topping Furious 7's $1.16 billion for third place on the list. <laughs> These Third are really, place. really large numbers. <laughs> Third place. Wow. The um, the only larger numbers I've seen was a story I read today where three banks made six billion dollars in overdraft and ATM fees. Oh yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the, um, the top three. Hey, don't worry about us having to tighten our belts. You go ahead, and keep making six billion dollars in profit. Since we bailed you out and all. Yeah, of course. No, I, I like how they go out and, and um, proclaim almost like in a celebratory way. All our operating expenses are paid by fees, by overdraft and ATM fees. Isn't that great? Yeah. Which, uh, if you think about it, those are mainly paid by middle to lower class income oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. people. Just, just want to put that out there. Anyway, landing in fourth position, another one of the weekend's new wide releases, Michael Bay's 13 Hours, tallied an estimated $16 million. They did estimate uh, $19 million for the four-day, but it's less than a $20 million. I think they were wanting it to, to gross more, but it's less than $20 million in the first three days since The Island back in 2005 for Michael Bay. Budgeted at $50 million, it should end up grossing somewhere around there in the domestic run, perhaps lower than the... $49.8 million Pain and Gain brought back in 2013, which I didn't know was a Michael Bay film until, like, I, I, I found out. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like a Michael Bay film. No, it was just Pain and Gain. And same thing with The Island. I don't know if you remember The Island, but The Island came out with very little fanfare. And it was a huge Transformers-level spectacle. I mean, if, if you watch The Island, it's got a lot of special effects. It's got, you know, Scarlett Johansson. And it was released very kind of under the radar because I think there was issues with the story. Like, it was ripping off another movie. Oh, okay. So that's why it wasn't like a big, hey, yeah. they, they didn't make a big deal out of it. They just released it. It's actually a pretty good movie. Interesting trivia about that, though, is there's a scene from The Island 
a one of those massive Michael Bay, you know, crashing and blowing up type scenes that was then repurposed and used in the Transformers movie. Oh, wow. Look it up on YouTube. <laughs> put um, scene from the island in Transformers or something. Like that. And all they did is they modified the special effect to it being a giant robot making the destruction as opposed to whatever it was in the island. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, Disney did it, you know, with a scenes from Cinderella being in um, Robin Hood where they just redid the characters, uh-huh. but it was the same movements, etc. So it's been done before. It was just weird seeing it in such a large movie. In these times, you know, after post two thousand, yeah, it's it's the same thing uh, musically. Uh, what was that breathing, or what was that? Uh, oh, that almost. Oh yeah, yeah. The um, I'm not in I'm love. Not in love, and, and then that Billy Joel song. There's like. Yeah, two or three different songs. But they, it, but that was actually effect. not using the the actual thing over and over again. It was the the effect, kind of yeah. like when they used morphing in in Terminator Two, and then it was used, or in the Abyss, and then it was used in Terminator Two. It's the same technology used differently, but this was actually the exact same the exact scene. Same thing. Yeah, <laughs> you just check it out. It's 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 pretty random. Lionsgate's Norm of the North that we kind of. Talked about a little bit last time. Managed to perform a little better than expectations, which has to be a welcome result for a studio, which is on the hook only for the cost of distribution and its limited marketing spend. It ended up grossing an estimated $6.6 million over the three-day weekend. It is estimated to finish around $8.8 million for the four-day weekend. So I'm guessing they didn't spend that much. Yeah, and then they're probably happy to get those uh, results. Uh, one of the Oscar nominees, Paramount's animated Charlie Kaufman movie, the stop-motion animated feature, Anomalisa, which I got to see a little bit of, and it's very Charlie Kaufman. It's beautifully done. I got to see enough of it to where I kind of see where it's going, uh-huh. and it intrigued me, but I had to stop watching at that point. But it, I've heard other people say it's a very, very good movie. It's not your regular stop-motion animated movie. It's not Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's literally could have been done with, with regular actors. Uh-huh. It's just a guy going to a hotel, and then he goes meet somebody at the bar, and you know that kind of thing. He takes a shower. I mean, very random. There's um, full frontal stop motion animated nudity, <laughs> which is kind of random as well. He goes into a, 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 a let's just call it an adult toy shop, uh-huh. and and the various sundries that are displayed also in stop motion. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so it's kind of random. Anyway, that uh, is doing all right. It added 20 theaters. Now playing in 37 theaters across the country, where it grossed an estimated $290,000. Next weekend sees the release of Sony's sci-fi thriller, The Fifth Wave, which I had only heard about recently. I don't know how long it's been being promoted, but I, I finally saw the commercial. I think it was maybe within the last month, which actually opened in some international territories this past weekend, pulling in $8.2 million on over 1,900 screens, so that's not too bad. Additionally, the PG-13 horror The Boy will hit theaters next weekend, along with... Robert De Niro and Zac Efron's uh, comedy Dirty Grandpa, all of which will be playing in around 26 to 2800 theaters. Speaking of Robert De Niro, I just saw The Intern. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, I, I remember you kind of uh, pigeonholed it as a chick flick. Yeah. Uh, kind of very Nietzsche, very older women, not just a woman's flick, right. but older women. I think, uh, how did it fare? Well, considering it's De Niro, it's it's very much a non-De Niro, non-early De Niro role. It's a very much nice older gentleman, very, you know, he's a widower and very smiling, a lot of smiling. And it has Anne Hathaway in, in a very Anne Hathaway role as, as the founder of an internet uh, clothing company. And for what it is, it, it worked. It was it was enjoyable. Uh, I also got to see 
sisters with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, which was freaking hilarious, man. Was it? I mean, <laughs> it was. I mean, there's some parts that I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> now, here's the thing: if it, it's basically uh, what I liked about it is they're two adult, you know, grown up sisters, and they're talking like. Like two adult grown-up sisters, like two adult grown-up brothers, vulgarities and all, except women's terms. Yeah, and it's just oh my gosh, man! Just it's it's got a good cast. A lot of Saturday Night Live players come out, sure. and uh, it was just funny. Now, having said that, uh, my wife said that she spoke to uh, one of her male coworkers about it. And he just didn't like it at all. So I guess it depends whether you're open to it or not. Like, maybe you might not like it because of your prejudices towards Tina Fey. The Amy genius Poehler. that is... Same, oh, really? You don't like Amy Poehler? I don't like her. She's got those eyebrows, man. I'll tell you what. They're, like, up there, man. She's all like... They're almost like... <laughs> almost like Surprised. drag... Like drag queen. <laughs> like mad drag queen eyebrows. But she's really funny. But And what's kind of funny about it as well is that she plays a straight person this time. Tina Fey, who usually plays a straight person, is uh, the more out of control rebellious sister or whatever she uh, uh Amy Poehler seems to me like uh overactor mm. kind of Jim Carrey-ish oh really she yeah. strikes you that way yeah. I know that she's very much a I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do whether you like it or not type of person like Going she, all- she doesn't care what yeah. you think yeah she's a very strong woman I'm, I'm cool with that and uh I enjoyed it you know like um what was the other one they did Baby Mama I didn't see that, no, that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that one, Amy Poehler was a more unhinged one. Oh, and she plays unhinged well. The, what I do like about them both is that they go all out. Oh, yeah. It's very Will Ferrell-ish. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if, they're, if they're in a role, boom, they're going all out. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is mainly because of Saturday Night Live is that their skits always go 30 seconds too long. It's like, it was funny till there. There's some parts in the movie that will do that, but they were funny. There's also a surprise appearance by a um, very well-known WWE personality in a uh, non-traditional <laughs> role. And the guy just looks freaking massive, man. When he comes out, I was like, holy crap! But then again, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are really small. Really small. Yeah, he came out on Fallon talking about his yeah. role. So. He looked freaking massive, man. He looked like a mountain. <laughs> I was like, what the? I was like, oh, it's that guy. Uh, we were talking earlier about the Oscar so white hashtag slash controversy on the Small Hours podcast page. I did put the the Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh-huh. calling out Will Smith and Jada Smith about this. Did you see it? No. Oh man. <laughs> basically, and I'll give you the best part of the whole thing. She's she's basically slamming them because they're they're decrying the fact that there's no people of color in any of the nominees basically in in the Oscars this year, right? And it's been for the last couple of years, even though there seemed to be some you know a good change towards more people of color being nominated and winning. Not many Hispanics, but, you know, more people of color. And uh, she calls Will Smith out specifically because she's like, remember on The Fresh Prince when we all got together and went to you and said we should all band together and ask for a raise like the cast members and friends did, a united front, blah, 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 blah. Do you remember what you told me? You said... I got my deal. You get yours. Wow. So she was really upset. <laughs> and now you're coming up to us asking to help you. Blah. blah. Oh, man. You got to check it out. It's on the Facebook page slash The Small Hours Podcast. And um, just watch that particular video. It's, it's funny. I will gladly do so. Yeah. She's uh, <laughs> just calling him out, man. <laughs> Going back to the People.com story with George Clooney. In an interview with Variety, Clooney expressed his disappointment in the lack of diversity among this year's Oscar nominees, saying that the Academy is, quote, moving in the wrong direction. If you think back 10 years ago, the Academy was doing a better job. Think about how many more African Americans were nominated. I'd also make the argument, I think it's a problem of who you're picking as much as uh, as much as it is. How many options are available to minorities in film, particularly 
in quality films. Clooney compared the lack of diversity in film to the same struggle women face with the gender wage gap. He praised those who have become strong advocates for equality, but said it shouldn't take people calling out the film industry to make a change. It should already already be done. On a side note, the film industry is notorious for really, really shady accounting practices. They've been called up. They haven't changed. So I don't see how this is going to be a big change. You know? No, they, they probably won't. And, and you know what? They, who's a, who's the academy comprised of? Yeah. You know? And that's who one of the issues that, the he, that he talks about. Like, who are the members? Yeah. There's a very small, I guess, um, percentage a, of... A lot of the actors are members, though. They're getting our voting members, no? I have no idea how that works. It's out. not like the screen actors... The I don't old, think just because you're in the SAG, which, you're, a, you're a voter. I think you have to actually be in the actual... Or like the Foreign Press Association, which is very limited. I think the the academy is... Uh, it's got a wider base. If I'm, if I'm, because I, I did you hear, say wider or wider? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to clarify. Wide, I probably wider. white and white. Yeah, <laughs> base. You know, he says like mine. <laughs> we sit too much. I find it amazing that we're in an industry that mm-hmm. in the 1930s most of our leads were women, and now a woman over 40 has a very difficult time being a lead in the movie. We're seeing some movement. Jennifer Lawrence, Patricia Arquette have become have made the loud pronouncement about wage disparity, having put a stamp on the idea that we got to pay attention. But we should have been paying attention long before this. I think that African-Americans have a real fair point that the industry isn't representing them well enough. I think that's absolutely true. He concluded by reflecting on how the Academy has praised actors of color in the past, noting that the number of diverse nominees has declined over the years. It's like, look, let's look back at some of the nominees. I think around 2004, there were black nominees like Don Cheadle, Morgan Freeman. All of a sudden, you feel like we're moving in the wrong direction. There were nominations left off the table, listing off films such as Creed. And Concussion, I think Creed more than Concussion personally, which yeah. uh, he felt were worthy of receiving Oscar nods. Clooney said he's not just talking about African-Americans, however, he's considering all minorities. By the way, we're talking about African-Americans for Hispanics. It's even worse. We need to get better at this. We used to be better at it. He's far from the first Hollywood heavyweight to sound off on the controversy. Uh, other people have expressed similar sentiments, like the Academy doesn't reflect the nation. While Spike Lee and Jada Pinkett Smith say there's planning to skip this year's award ceremony. On Monday, Academy President Cheryl Boone Isaacs released a statement saying she was disappointed over the lack of diversity represented at this year's Academy Awards. And if I'm not mistaken, she's African-American. This is a difficult but important conversation, and it's time for big changes. The Academy is taking dramatic steps to alter the makeup of our membership. If you're going to boycott it, there's going to be uh, less people of color in the audience, too. Yeah. Uh, so how does that... Uh, it's like you're throwing a temper tantrum. Show up, you know, and speak speak about it. Be present there's when there's cameras there. Yeah, there's you, you have a bully pulpit basically when you're up there. Yeah. You know, even you outside when you're walking in. Yeah, you're walking in, walking out, hey, we're here because we are actors, we are in these movies and you know, we want to represent. Uh and here we are. Yeah, we're here. We're here in support of the industry. We hope the industry supports us. Where's the uh, <laughs> on another note. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where the uh, there's um, not enough white in uh, the BT Awards hashtag. Well, yeah, that was the um, um, Stacy Dash was on Fox and Friends, I think, and she was talking about how they should get rid of Black History Month and Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, I think she mentioned, and I only I only saw the the, the headline. She says, if anything, things like the BT Awards or whatever are promoting segregationism basically you know what i mean because there's no diversity in there it's celebrating specifically black culture right Uh, mind you a lot of uh, african-americans aren't down with her opinions on on that but everybody has their opinion yeah because you know if you're going to specifically honor your race 
We have the, the Tejano Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the... The La Raza Awards. Uh, Raza Awards or whatever. You know, there's different formats. If you if you would have, which in this case, the, the Academy Awards are the, you know, what, how would you phrase it yeah. to not get, you know, one people in sheets out there going, yeah, we finally did it. They're ours only. <laughs> or, Nuestra belleza. Or, or, you know, have somebody out there picketing saying this is not right that it's only white people. Right. You know, we are a diverse nation. And there's always been, there's always people who are anti the other guy. Sure. Whatever race Plenty you're at. You know, regardless of uh, if you're the white guy in the black neighborhood, you're out of place. If you're the Hispanic in the black neighborhood or the or the black or, guy in the, in the in the Hispanic neighborhood right. or, you know, e- either way, you know, you, Asian neighborhood, you stick out, you're different. Uh, it's hard for us and we try to meld. To well, meld together, God knows our families tried. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have, uh, you know, thankfully everybody's open minded, and 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 uh, you you fall for somebody, you make a life with them, and that's great. And we have mm-hmm. grown to love, you know, they've grown to love us in, from every walk of life that we that we join our families to different races and everything, different races, different walks of life, different social economic economic statuses, and I think for the most part, individually, people are that way. Yeah. It's when you get in a group of the same whatever, either socioeconomic or industry. Uh, gender. I think this has to industry. do with industry. It, it happens. It, unfortunately, people are cliquish. Right, absolutely. And uh, clannish. So it's been from the beginning of time. So it's something that we have to continue to work on. But I don't think boycotting something is a way to do it. I, I honestly don't think it's going to make a difference in the Oscars. What really needs to change, like Clooney said, is the people in the films. You know, like Idris Elba. You know, I mean, that guy is a phenomenal actor. Sure, I would have liked to have seen him nominated, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many actors out there. Unfortunately, sometimes you see, like is the case with some Hispanic roles, the same guy. Yeah. Over and over. Was it, what was it last year? Like year before last, Lupita Nyong'o won yep. for. I mean, you can't you can't also call for for because somebody's nominated because a Hispanic is nominated, he has to win. Because right, a black person nominated, they have to win. But representation's good, you know. Sure. Like you said, uh, I, I remember people decrying. Uh, um, who was it that didn't win last year? That people were all upset because they had been nominated and they didn't win and oh, again it went to the white guy you know you can't be that way i mean i unless it's something really really blatant and you know on some occasions if it's, it's seemed that way where like really you know th- yeah. this movie didn't win you know or whatever you can't guess how the academy is going to vote but you know the makeup of the voter base i think is is needs some refreshing i think they need to uh Cut off the frayed ends, so to speak, yeah. and add more to the newer part. Yeah, yeah. So because I think early on, the, those that frayed end when that was first coming into play, there wasn't much diversity. Right. So there, there's I think less diversity in the ones that have been there the longest. At least that's the what you hear sometimes. It's like, well, it's, there's no diversity up on top. And now as it's getting old, then yes, you, you start getting it as generations go by and maybe a little bit more and a little bit more. But that last part, which is still a significant voting block, may be making a difference. And sometimes when you get up to the upper echelon and there's a certain persuasion or, like I, like I said, a certain group, and then you start associating with them and then you start, well, I don't want to be the odd man out. Like-minded. Yeah, I'm minding. Yeah, they be, they start becoming like those in that group. Prejudice. Yeah, I mean you see it a and lot. And I'm not saying racist, but prejudice. Yeah, you in, have in, a in predisposition to different yeah. things. Yeah. 
So we'll see what happens with the uh, Oscar So White controversy and whether or not anybody's going to be uh, boycotting it. I know they're calling Chris Rock, who's a host of Boycott. I seriously doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, and that would be, again, a one le- one less... Opportunity of uh, of showcasing of a person of color because yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be talking about it. You, you know he will, <laughs> and he's done it before. Yeah. From the Guardian, Jamie Foxx. Speaking of which, an Oscar winner, Jamie Foxx, becoming a real life action hero, pulling a man from a burning car moments before it was engulfed in flames, and that can happen very quick. Foxx and an unnamed off duty paramedic pulled a man from the vehicle moments after it crashed near the star's home. In Southern California, the uh, California Highway Patrol said the car came off the road, went into a ditch, rolling over multiple times, catching fire while the driver was trapped inside. Fox said he heard the crash from inside his house, called 911, and ran to the scene. He said the off-duty paramedic, who was driving by at the time, used large scissors to break the window, cut the man's seatbelt, and pulled him out. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, he told the man, you've got to help me get you out, because I don't want to have to leave you. You've got angels around you. And this is a guy who just survived flipping his freaking vehicle over and over again. So, you know, he was beat up to mm-hmm. like nobody. The Highway Patrol could not confirm Fox's involvement, but said two witnesses helped extricate the driver, giving similar details to his account. His role in the rescue was first reported by TMZ. The name of the paramedic who stopped and helped was not immediately available. So good for him, man. I mean, sometimes you you like to think that in, in the same situation, you'd react the same way. Oh, yeah, you hope to. You hope to be the, the guy running towards. And I think that, uh, that uh, we have reacted Similarly, we had the same situation driving up on an accident on the interstate and, uh, you know, heading over to help. Uh, you helped the guy that was stuck off off the highway. That was, uh, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> because there's literally, I, I venture to say, hundreds of cars and nobody was, was helping. Stopping, yeah. Yeah, except uh, me and a drunk <laughs> day drinker gardener. Hispanic, Mexican, and uh, we helped him, you know, so, uh, and he was an African-American gentleman, and, and, and I told him, remember, it was just two Mexicans who stopped to help you. <laughs> Nobody else stopped. <laughs> he just left. He offered me money, and I'm like, just like Dad said, you know, it's like, no, man, pay it forward. Yeah. You know, he never never accept money for anything like that. And us, on the way back from New York, we happened to have a paramedic with us, and happened up on an accident that had just happened, uh, a, a van rear-ending a flatbed trailer who apparently had pulled off the side of the road. Road. Oh man! And they just—it was, it was very bad. A, a small child in the back, uh, two elderly people in the front, and uh, the the driver having the worst of it, uh, which was the, the female. And um, man, you talk about people jumping into action, and, and there there was diversity in that crowd. Man, there was uh, Hispanics, Anglo's, black guys. I mean, everybody's going to town on that truck, trying to trying to you know first get the child out, get the older gentleman out. The lady was pinned and trying to extricate her. Or trying to make her comfortable, at least, yeah. was was a, it was an ordeal. We were in a very rural area, and uh, by the time the volunteer fire department got there, we had been there an hour. Wow! But that's the thing, you know. It's like like we were talking about the academy. It doesn't really represent what what uh, the makeup of America, or really for the most part, how most of us would get along in a situation like this. You know, it is we we are humans first. Yeah. You know, and then uh, we see somebody who needs help, chances are we're going to help, you know. So at least that's the way I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not everybody. 
No, there's, you know, there's uh, people who are opportunistic. You know that. Sure. They'll come up on a crash site and, you know, go through somebody's wallet. And oh, that happens here. That, yeah. yeah. Hispanic on Hispanic. You know yeah. what I mean? I guess you won't be needing these credit cards or whatever, you know, and they'll take this, them. And ringing this chain yeah. from the pawn shop. Yeah. So, you know. There's go. always that oppor- opportunistic, that jackal in the crowd that'll right. that'll go. But for the most part, you, you know that people react in a favorable light. And if you see a, be, uh, see a jackal, try and stop him. <laughs> yeah. Why not? So we were talking earlier about the purge that is going on currently in 2016. We Here we are, third week, basically, or fourth week of January. And uh, we already are looking at a list of people. Now, we're going to go back a couple days before 2016 and start off with what really the first rock in the avalanche, so to speak. Motorhead singer Lemmy Kilminster Minster's uh, dying of cancer on uh, December 28th. Natalie Cole then dies on New Year's Eve from heart failure caused, caused by lung disease. Then we keep moving on, and you have the singer and frontman of Back Road Anthem, found dead at 29 years old, January 4th. He had gone missing on a duck hunting trip in extreme weather. Craig Strickland, they found him, and uh, he had passed away. A little bit later, on January 6th, one day at a time actor, Pat Harrington Jr., Schneider, in the 1970s sitcom, passes away at 86. We talked about Angus Scrim from the Phantasm movies, who died on January 9th. Then, back in uh, on January 10th, at 31, one years of age, a former child actor, Michael Galeota, passed away from uh, several health problems. David Bowie passing away also on January 10th, two days after his 69th birthday, after a 18-month secret battle with cancer. David Margulies, a character actor who played in Ghostbusters, Ace Ventura, passes away the day after that. Brian Bedford, known for voicing the title character in Disney's 1973 movie that we mentioned earlier, Robin Hood. He died on January 13th. He uh, was also uh, appeared on TV shows like Murder, She Wrote, Cheers, Frasier, and all that. Then we hear the sad news that Celine Dion's husband and manager, Rene Angelil, dies on January the 14th of cancer at age 73. Then her brother dies two days later. Oh, yeah. On January 14th as well, Alan Rickman. Passes away. Diehard villain, Harry Potter actor, Metatron in uh, Kevin Smith's movie Dogma. And then out of nowhere, out of left field, Dan Haggerty. Grizzly Adams dies the next day, January 15th. Drummer and co-founder for Mott the Hoople, Dale Griffin, dies on the 17th. Clarence Reed dies on January 17th of the uh, better known as funk R&B singer Blowfly. And then, last but not least, just the latest one in this long, almost seemingly endless list of celebrities and mainly really musicians, it seems, dying. Glenn Fry. That one, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. I was like, what? It, now it's like you're almost expecting another one, but it surprises you sometimes who it is. Yeah. 67 years old. Eagles guitarist and co-founder died on January 18th. January 18th, and all that list of people in less than 20 days. Yeah, and... and, and 20, 21 days. Most of those people, because they've been, you know, private about their illness, the list of illnesses that, that, that Glenn Fry, I, I didn't think you could die from any of that, you know, the complications of all that stuff, but maybe combination of all that that, that causes demise. But yeah, it's, it's like, like I told you, like a purge, man. It's, it's okay, next... Yeah. It's like the the Grim Reapers walking around. I got a fresh axe. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's almost like a really bad take on the Left Behind series. You know, where they're taking the good people and leaving them behind because we still have the Kardashians and Justin Bieber. 
You know, unfortunately, we're still that. here as well. <laughs> I saw one it's of like, those things. We like, have the Kardashians. It's like, dear gods that are taking all our musicians, we offer up the Kardashian clan. <laughs> Take them all. Husbands and everything. Yeah. It's like mother and mother. Yeah, start working on the ass end of the... Uh, <laughs> The celebrity pool. <laughs> Work on the shallow end of the celebrity pool. <laughs> celebrity talent pool. Come on. Now, unfortunately, Justin Bieber is more talented. He's just an a-hole. Yeah. He's really talented, but, you know, apparently an a-hole. And then he cried. Yeah, whatever. You know, I, I, when he was doing his, um, uh, like, media tour where, no, no, I'm really now, I've matured. I'm more of a nice guy now. And all that. He came down on the um, carpool karaoke with James Corden on the Late Late Show. And seemed like he was having a fun time and all that. And then something happens, and it reminds you that he's an a-hole. <laughs> like, I watched the um, Adele one recently. I even, I, I had to share it because it was just so fun to watch. She's just such a really talented singer, beautiful woman, phenomenal voice. But she just seemed like she was a really nice person to hang out with uh-huh. and just really you know she bust out laughing like not a little <laughs> Hollywood laugh no she'd bust out laughing you know <laughs> like somebody you have over for uh, maybe a couple of glass bottles of wine and, uh, <laughs> like we do here in the household and uh, it just seemed fun and in contrast him it's like you know it seems like he's a little nice guy then then you see somebody ah oh, the mask slipped yeah. there he is and he couldn't. He couldn't keep up the couldn't, facade. Couldn't keep it up, man. It's like the wind kind of lifted the edge there for a bit. <laughs> there he is. You know, saw the pile of crap there. I saw it. Anything? Uh, any other thoughts on the uh, loss of all of these uh, talented people? Well, I saw the the Mike Portnoy. Thanks to all the talented people we that are still alive. have with us. Yeah, and uh, added uh, like Willie Nelson and, sure. and some some country artists that are getting up there in age. That like my uncle said, hey, if that's if he's still on your uh, bucket list, you better hurry up because yeah. <laughs> he's up there. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like you said, it's like we're getting to the point in time. Where the you know our, our heroes and more so those of us that are in our late forties, early fifties, or whatever, that a lot of these guys were already adults when we were teenagers. So they're getting up there, like you know the Elton Johns, uh, Paul McCartney, the Rayo Stars. You know, all, I mean all these people. Guys from Aerosmith. Yeah, I mean even they should have been dead long Rolling ago. Stones, and I loved how he put it. And, and of course, uh, Keith Richards will be still be around to take care of the planet. Take care of the planet gone. when we're gone. It's true because somebody posted a meme of Ozzy's like, "Hey everybody, I'm still here." Right? I'm like Keith. Richards, man, come on! <laughs> More so than Ozzy. It reminds me of the guy coming out of the frost in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, the White Walker. <laughs> the White Walker. The, if, if there was any sort of uh, casting god, it'd be like Keith Richards. Forget Jack Sparrow's father. Yeah, the White Walker King, man. <laughs> He'd be the one like that sent these guys. You know, he'd be the one in the back of the throne with all the whatever dead babies where he has around him. <laughs> Oh, it'll all be uh, teenage girls, right? He needs a uh, not a blood transfusion, more of like a desiccated blood sand <laughs> transfusion. It's like pour another tube of the you dust know. of the dust into my veins, and then he goes on. And he's funny in interviews, man. I, I like I like to watch him in interviews. Subtitles on, of course. Yeah, I can't understand <laughs> things. <laughs> One, he's British. Right. And uh, and two, he's like, I can't. <laughs> Plus, you know, he can't hear probably worth the crap, so he mumbles. And kind of like me, I mean, my hearing is not that ba- as bad as his, I'm sure, but I mumble. And my wife's like, what? 
open your mouth or something. <laughs> Enunciate. Enunciation. I'm like, you can't understand words without so many syllables. <laughs> no, and then she throws a book at me or something. She throws her master's degree at me. <laughs> yeah. Ow. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't think I should have gotten her that uh, that commemorative master's degree whip. That was, pr- that was a, a terrible miscalculation uh, yeah, on my part. Yeah, was just asking for it. And the writing crop. I don't think I should have done that one. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I appreciate that I got, it. got it. Not often. Minutes. Not often, but yes, occasionally. <laughs> you were talking about, um, I think you mentioned something on, on Netflix, right? The uh, House of Cards. House Before of Cards, Before we yeah. go to that, I'm going to get into the top of mind segment, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Pee-wee's Big Holiday on Netflix. Did you see that? I heard about it. Yeah, yeah just yeah. today. There's a, a teaser a teaser trailer out where he wakes up in his house and does a whole little the wake-up routine uh, on it. Different than, obviously, the original ones. but And it's trying to capture the same spirit. I want to say... Well, obviously, Peely's Big Adventure was directed by Tim Burton. And, um, you know, obviously, so it has a lot of fanciful stuff to it. So, but I'd like to think that a lot of that was based or rooted in Paul Rubin's mind. You know, the Pee Wee Herman creator. Because even on a stage show, all that was there. Yeah. It was just yeah. an expansion of the Pee Wee Herman universe by Tim Burton. So, now this one, I hope they recapture it because I know Tim Burton's not involved. But I hope they recapture it. It seemed fun. Obviously, he's a lot older now. But uh, it seemed fun. Yeah, he uh, the character instantly comes to life. The uh, the surrounding players are going to be missed. Those that have passed on. Uh, it would be awesome, however, if Cowboy Curtis came out. Lawrence Fishburne is still alive. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be like a out of left field home run. <laughs> I don't know how you'd call it. I don't know. Really think you could hit a home run out of left field, but you can. You can. <laughs> uh, but uh, if if he were to come out as Cowboy Curtis, that would be like phenomenal. Yeah. The, for both for him, yeah, for going back and doing that, yep, and, and for us, and uh, and a uh, a coup for for the show, sure, for, to get him to do it. Yep, <laughs> I mean, come on, he's been doing TV. He did Hannibal, so it's like Cowboy Curtis. Did you eat your horse? He's a big boy now. Yeah, so, you know, he's not a the slender Cowboy Curtis we remember <laughs> from uh, from the early days. Much like we're not the slender guys that were watching the show, right at the time. Right. Anyway, so that's getting something to look forward to. Another thing, the CW had a big um, DC night, man, with uh, extra footage coming out for Batman vs Superman. We got a sneak peek at the new Wonder Woman first footage. For the Wonder Woman movie from 2017, yeah, which looked really nice, looked really good. I actually am looking forward more, I think, to the Wonder Woman movie by just by what they showed than the Batman v Superman that's going to be coming out first. Also, they showed the new Suicide Squad trailer, which I, I there's conflicting thoughts. I didn't think the the music quite fitted. It was Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, but I liked the footage. It looked a lot better than some of the more recent DC movies. Yeah, it, it went with that. Uh, to me, it went with that whole uh, universe. Well, the other aspect that they're doing for the Hell's Kitchen characters, it was a darker, mm-hmm. more grittier, grittier. Yeah, I, and I liked that. I really liked that trailer. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Harley Quinn just looks really, really cute, man. Margot Robbie. <laughs> wow. That and we also got a look at the Justice League poster, the lineup. Not only was it Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, but it also had Flash on the right side. It had Cyborg next to Batman, and it had Jason Momoa's Aquaman also there. So, but I think it was just a rendering, right? Like, a, like a drawing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, there's a couple people missing. Namely, one is uh, Green Lantern. Yeah. I also heard that they're going to be doing another Green Lantern movie. Thank God. 
They didn't give up after the Ryan Reynolds one. Um, <laughs> and it may be a Justice League core movie, which means there will be more more of them. You know, not just Hal Jordan, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So we'll be looking for. I'm looking forward to that. Green, Green Lantern, I really, really like. And, and I was very disappointed by the movie. I tried to love the movie. I really did. It just... It was just, just such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. The the power that he has, what a fantastic opportunity, and just wasted. And the the one thing that I regret is that for, and I doubt it's going to happen. I just don't see it happening. If they do, or when they do, make the new Green Lantern movie, they won't have Mark Strong playing Sinestro, and he was freaking awesome as Sinestro. And when he changed into the yellow Sinestro at the end of Green Lantern, I was like, oh. And, <laughs> and then the movie tanked, and I was really disappointed. I was like, man, because I would have loved to seen him as a full movie evil Sinestro, you know. And uh, unfortunately, but if. Hey, man, they keep using freaking Hugh Jackman for Wolverine. I mean, after Wolverine Origins, they could have gone with somebody else because that movie sucked. They keep using him, so I don't, you never know. It, wishful thinking. Yeah. Wishful thinking. So, Write a letter. Yeah, I know. So what did you think of the Wonder Woman footage? Did you see it? Yeah, I did. I, I saw it today, like as a matter of fact. World War II or something? Yeah, it was, I liked it. I liked the uh, the look, the whole look of it. She's a cute girl, man. Yeah, Very Gal pretty. Gadot. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I actually liked her more in the footage for the Wonder Woman movie than the footage in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, where she's, where she's, uh, where she's in, in Mufti. Yeah, exactly. And, and street clothes. And uh, she's, yeah, she's like, oh, When she put on the glasses? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's a very, very uh, beautiful woman. And uh, it looks like she can also hold her own. I mean, they showed some fight scenes and whatnot. and look good, you know. So it's been such a long time since we've had a viable vehicle for Wonder Woman that I'm hoping they don't mess it up. Yeah. So far, it looks pretty good. It, it kind of looks like they're taking the um, Captain America uh, route. You know, it's like, well, how's she going to be in Batman v Superman if she was fighting World War Two? One, she's uh, the half-daughter of Zeus or something. Mm-hmm. So she's a... Um, not Immortal. a goddess, but she's a demigod or something, demigoddess. And uh, so, yeah, it, she'd be able to do that. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't know how they're just going to transition. Is she's going to, or she's going to skip everything from World War Two to now, or or what? Time portal? I mean, what? You know? Uh, yeah, they'll figure it out. I mean, it's. I want to see the disco Wonder Woman. You know, I mean, <laughs> short hot pants Wonder Woman. Uh, the Linda Carter. Mm-hmm. No disrespect. You'll always be number one mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in our hearts, in our pants. And um, she's still beautiful. Absolutely, man. man. She's, she's always. Posting wow, too gorgeous. I'm I'm secretly, or I'm wondering if she's not secretly Wonder Woman. Like really, she's not right? aging or something? You know, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, it's crazy. You know. Anyway, so you brought some uh, some info here on the. You want me? You want? Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. It's a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, no, you don't have to go through all of them. That's why I brought them, just so you can pick and choose whatever you right. you like, like the best actor, the best movie, whatever. Or maybe I can go best gaffer. Yeah, you holy go. crap! It's somebody like eight that, pages. Somebody that doesn't somebody doesn't always get recognition. The uh, we'll start at the bottom. The guy on the <laughs> the 21st Annual Critics' Choice Awards were uh, held on Sunday, hosted by Silicon Valley's T.J. Miller, who's uh, uh, in Deadpool, in the upcoming Deadpool, marking the first time the annual awards show combined film and TV winners into one event. The awards presented at the Broadcast Film Critics Association and Broadcast Television Journalists Association, broadcast live on A&E, Lifetime, and LMN, from the Barker Hangar in Santa Monica. Judd Apatow presented Amy Schumer with the Critics' Choice MVP Award on Sunday night, calling her the funniest person in the world and the perfect comedian for this moment. She was honored for Inside Amy Schumer, where she featured some stories 
stolen jokes, Trainwreck, <laughs> and her HBO special, Amy Schumer, Live at the Apollo, which also featured some stolen jokes. They're calling her out on Twitter. So really? Female, female comedians are like, look, this is footage of me doing this joke in 1990. Wow. And then she does the joke, and she had some other jokes that were done by the late uh, Patrice O'Neill, and you know, some other. They're calling her out. But then again, what comedian hasn't stolen the She's, joke? It's an homage. Right. Yeah, they used to talk about the old guys, the old uh, vaudevillian guys stealing jokes from the best joke I ever stole was one of the lines. Right. It's like uh, amateurs borrow professional steal or something like that. Vice versa. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. The best and worst moments. Um Outlander took home the most binge-worthy award. Haven't seen Outlander. Me either. Decided by the fans. Stars Drama was nominated alongside Empire, alongside Empire Friends, Game of Thrones, Orange is the New Black, and The Walking Dead. Gotta check it out, maybe. List of winners are as follows. Best unstructured reality show, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. <laughs> there you go. Best talk show, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. There you go. Best structured reality show, Shark Tank. Best reality show host, James Lipton. Best reality show competition won once again by The Voice. Best animation series, BoJack Horseman. I saw five, maybe ten minutes of it and turned it off. Really? I, just, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. Best supporting actor in a comedy series, Andre Brower for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's a good actor. Best movie made for a television or limited series, Fargo. And Idris Elba for Luther. He won best actor in a movie made for television or limited series. I'm telling you, man, the guy's a good actor. He is. He is. And very popular with the ladies. Yeah, and some of our cousins. And sisters. And sisters, yeah. Uh, best actor in a comedy series, Jeffrey Tambor for Transparent on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a little bit of, uh, like, a little trailer of that. Like, wow, he's got earrings. Oh, oh, he's a, he's a transgender. <laughs> he's a transgender. Yeah. <laughs> now, in some of the film categories, uh, best score for The Hateful Eight, Ennio Morricone, or Morricone. He, uh, yeah, he did a great job, man. He, these guys, he's up there, man. He's got some some scores under his belt, let's call him that. He's played, uh, he's uh, written some pretty impressive scores in the past, and he's still doing it. Best documentary feature, Amy, for Amy Winehouse. Best sci-fi horror mover, Ex Machina. Did I say horror mover? Yeah. Horror movie, Ex Machina. I haven't seen that one yet. Amy Schumer won for Best Actress in the Comedy. Christian Bale, Best Actor in the Comedy for The Big Short. Going back to the scorer. Ennio Morricone. I think he hadn't gotten any awards till till he got the... Um, Golden Globe Award. The Golden Globe, yeah. Really? He had never been... Ever? Yeah, I think that was uh, whoever accepted for him was talking about that. He goes, I was hoping that we finally recognize While this he's still man. alive. Yeah, instead of uh, instead of one of those post, uh, what are they? Posthumous. In memoriam, posthumous yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awards. Best comedy, The Big Short. But, uh, look at this, man. Was this the Mad Max Fury Road uh, Awards or what? Check it out how many awards they won. Best director for George Miller. Best production design. Best editing. Best costume design. Best hair and makeup. Best visual effects. Best Action Movie, Best Actor for Tom Hardy, Best Actress for Charlize Theron. They won all of those. That's great. With or without her left hand. <laughs> she was still... <laughs> there you go. They want to work. Let's see here. What else? Who else? Oh, Revenant won for Best Cinematography. That is a beautifully shot movie. Best uh, Animated Feature went to Inside Out. And Best Supporting Actress, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Sylvester Stallone won for Creed, his second award after the Golden Globe. He had never mm -hmm. won a Golden Globe. He won Best Supporting Actor. Brie Larson won for The Room for Best Actress. And Leo DiCaprio winning his second award for The Revenant. You think he's going to take the Oscar? I don't know whether they're giving him all these awards. It's like... 
and then Sice on the Charlie Oscar. Brown. Him. Yeah, oh, I, I don't know. Suck, man. I don't know. And you know what? We should create that meme with Lucy holding an Oscar. <laughs> And, just in uh, case, and yeah, just in case, ah! and when it doesn't happen, we can we can put it out there. Because you know how many times we've done it to movies. You know they give yeah. them the Golden Globe for the best movie, yep. da da da, and That's then it's a shoe in, and yeah. then quack out of left field. Uh huh. Here yeah, comes here comes whatever movie is the flavor of the month. Boom, got it. Yeah, no. You ever see? Uh, oh God, I can't believe this always happens to me. It's it's the effect I have on people. I, and you're like, I always is forget. It a brain it's like brain Swiss, what is it? Swiss right? cheese. My 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 boss would say that his brain would turn to Swiss cheese when I was in the truck with him. So. Dude, I'm like blanking on the name of his movie. What's funny is is that I I remember him Requiem for a Dream. I rec I remember them. I remember the title, and then I'll forget it next time I try and think of the movie, and I have to go through the whole process over and over again. Requiem for a Dream with Jared Leto and uh, Jennifer Connelly and uh, I think it's Ellen Burstyn in a phenomenal role. If you haven't seen it, dude, it's brutal. Brutal, but a freaking great movie. It's, uh, it's It deals with drug use and, and abuse and the consequences, but it's just, it's crazy, dude. If you haven't seen it, Highly recommended. Should have won. She's one of those that has goes out on a on a roll and just takes it. And this is one of them. I mean, she's a, and she's phenomenally, phenomenally, phenomenally stick. <laughs> gorgeous. That's how yes. gorgeous she is. She makes my my brain and tongue twist together. My my tongue looked like the inside of my brain as it was twisting. So it looked like a pea. <laughs> And no, Jennifer Connelly, just a just a gorgeous woman, and not only is she a good actress, she's one of those actresses that grew into adulthood, like didn't skip a beat, man. She was just like gorgeous from the first time we saw her to date, mm-hmm. you know. Like now, she's like, oh, she's a, just a beautiful woman now, you know. Yeah. But anyway, you have one more story here. Now in its third season, House of Cards has one of those problems that soap operas bump up against all the time. Story fatigue. You can only ask your audience to buy into the political shenanigans of Francis Underwood, F.U., played by Kevin Spacey, and uh, wife Claire, played by Robin Wright, for so long, given the Gumby-esque contortions that the series uses to entertain. That manipulation often comes at the expense of believability, because House of Cards refuses to restrain itself and often goes in a parlance that Francis would approve of, bald out in an effort to make the Underwoods ridiculously ruthless and the series ridiculously entertaining. I mean, the guy killed a dog, like, in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, after holding out against the cruel intrusion of reality at some point in season two of House of Cards, ridiculous was the key word for pretty much everything in it. That wouldn't be much of a problem if House of Cards was like a true soap opera keenly aware of its reputation. Meaning, if House of Cards really believed that its ridiculousness was a wink-wink at the audience, its diversions from believability wouldn't be so troubling. Instead, House of Cards has been the poster series for both the popularity of Netflix as a streaming service with strong original content and as a big player for the service at award shows. It takes itself very seriously. In that role, House of Cards is often touted as a prestige drama, a la Breaking Bad, Mad Men, and The Americans, among others. But if season pro- 2 proved anything, with its collapsing parade of paper tigers standing up to Frank's quest for ultimate power, it's that the series is far more entertaining than it is great. Power wielded by a ruthless married couple as a sack Washington, D.C. is a pretty fun thing to behold. Soapy as it is, racing towards the assured victory, the stakes-free gamble, there just wasn't much gravitas in the midst of it 
uh, as the bubbles got in your eyes. I'm certainly fine with House of Cards being that show. If you buy it into it as a sweet, sparkling wine to be guzzled without care as you binge your way through it, that seems very apropos of what you're getting. The danger is confusing it with actual champagne. It's not that. Award shows are still making these this qualitatively dubious connection, as they've done to an even worse degree with another soap opera, Downton Abbey. I worry that the creative forces behind House, behind House of Cards will blindly accept the accolades and not address the more glaring issues critics and fans began harping on in Season 2. Early episodes of the third season of House of Cards indicate a change of direction might be afoot, though plenty of worry remains that this will only be temporary and the Underwoods will continue to fool and rule the world with ease of master puppeteers as he sees goes forward. But at least in the early going creator Bo Willimon and the many executive producers with a hand in the series seem to agree that maybe the Underwoods, now known as the President and First Lady of the United States, need to hit some roadblocks that they can't immediately get around. So, will it be changing to give them uh, that? Well, that's what we're going to find out. It says, a series like House of Cards has lots of twists to be spoiled, but there's no point in doing that here. A good soap opera keeps the twists coming, and that's what the audience wants. But at least in dealing with the basic moving parts of the series, it's safe to say that being President and First Lady isn't as easy or as satisfying as they expected. Both want more. Frank wants, naturally, to avoid being a placeholder president and focus on getting reelected. But everything he's tried in office, and most of it has been ambitious, has eroded his approval ratings and it was pretty silly he he didn't care times are tough he's not being very effective and democrats are dubious as to whether he's the face of the future especially as republicans are lining up in solidarity behind hector mendoza for her part claire in the storyline that harkens back to the clinton years isn't satisfied with just being first lady she wants to lead and do something she wants to be political because that's what's in her blood and in a loving reflection of their odd relationship claire has no qualms in telling frank that if he's going down in the next election she plans to ascend at the same time power and politics these two understand it even if it means telling the other that you can't carry on if they fall after all the cream puff politicians and supposedly brilliant strategists at the underwoods have fooled all too easily in the first two seasons a little payback and a little failure plays well for house of cards however the worry remains that now that they have the ultimate seats of politics frank and claire won't go down without swinging and in true house of cards fashion will hit and destroy everything they swing at if that believable unbelievable sense of dramatic stake stakes returns house of cards will find itself in a scandal about how good it really is season two was silly yeah there was a there was a lot wasn't as satisfying right as satisfying as the first one the first one was really good yeah it was yeah i mean don't get me wrong the second season started great yeah but then just went into like the the believability factor just took a nosedive like they could do no wrong Mm mm-hmm now they just uh, unscathed everything they did unscathed like murders and you know it's like really nobody's ever going to question about you know. no you know your secretary of the interior your chief of staff crashes into a mountain and run run nothing happens yeah uh, chief of staff guy, goes off and kills somebody and buries her and yeah get commit suicide in a park it's all status quo but uh yeah i mean it, it's it there's as as silly as it is you know unfortunately we've seen some of that in american politics yeah and i think that's what keeps the audience there regardless i mean because it is fantasy and let's face it kevin spacey is such a He's great awesome. actor yeah he just you know and that and that aside he always does the camera you know at first oh, the the season 2 episode 1 right where he doesn't look at the camera until the very end. Yeah, so, that was... Did you forget it? Did you think I forgot you were there? <laughs> oh, snap! Like, whoa! Yeah, that was just awesome. Did you think I forgot about you? Oh, man. Yeah. That was great. So, 
you know, all those little things that keep you coming back. Okay, it's good, it's good. That whole storyline had, like you said, left left you wanting for more. But, you know, it also kept you coming back for the next one. Okay, it's going to get a little better. Is he going to reach his, his his goal or what's the deal? Now they're, now they're, like they said, sitting on the top of the mountain, see where they go from there. Yeah, because, like I say, the the... The climb is really what's exciting. Once you're there, you know it's like okay, you, the, the the thrill of it only lasts so long. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be able to take advantage of that, to where it's like okay, something's got to happen, something to shake it up because the political machinations of the first season were great. Oh yes, great. Yes. I mean, some some little unbelievable, of course, right? Like everything seemed to go his way, and he had the right answer for everything, uh, except that one interview that he did that he tried to kind of be smart, and then he messed it up. And Claire is like, you really screwed that yep. up. <laughs> You're sleeping on the couch. Yeah, he tried to. He was talking. He was uh, facing off against uh, the uh, union, the teachers' union rep guy or something like mm-hmm. that. He's like, "What are you talking about?" And they call him out, and they started sweating, and it just went off the rails. And uh, so, yeah, that that stuff where you see him stumbling, and you're like, "Okay, how's he going to come back from that?" Or maybe even bigger than just a slight gaffe on a TV show to where, okay, they obviously have all these particular political talents, but is it going to be enough for this thing or something is going to come back and bite them in the ass or... Where they hold her feet to the fire. somebody better. Uh, another Frank Underwood that has the same capability. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. that not something, not a pretender where Frank figures out he's another wannabe and then takes care of him and he, he, you know, he's no longer part of the show. No, somebody actually is a threat. And, you know, it's called House of Cards for a reason. And if you saw the British, the British, uh, didn't. Uh, you didn't? No. There's, you know, it, it's got a finite, it's got a, a shelf life, you know. It's mm-hmm. got a, a, a definite curve to the life of it. It's, I think it's a, season three is probably the last one, in my opinion. It should be the last one. And I know uh, also the, the other thing that we have to take into account is the guy who's taking Peter's place. Remember, they wanted his best friend. They wanted him to run for congressman to uh-huh. take over Peter's uh, spot after he you know, committed suicide, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and uh, the ramifications of that. Yeah, coming in and and the the fact that the the girl was you know well she lost Peter because of the Underwood so you know a woman scorned you know yes. so there's there's all these things that have to uh, come into play but I'm still I, I'm still gonna watch it because I really uh, like you say do enjoy watching Kevin Spacey. So, yeah. yeah, great job. Any other any other anything's uh, top of mind uh, for you? No, that was it. I, I mean, I pulled those items uh, today because I, I I really didn't have anything anything top of mind. Just uh, you know, the passing of the kind of weird, right? Just the musicians. That I mean, yeah. all these celebrity deaths really is the only thing that's been there. Other mm-hmm. than that, there's nothing really. And then, and then you see all these people going so and so that oh that was last year okay. right I did that one I think Gary <laughs> Coleman uh, Alex so when we did last last episode he's like oh Gary Coleman died he's like that was like 2010 <laughs> I was like oh it must have come up on my feed with all this yeah. churning churning of the celebrity deaths and all these come up and sure enough I saw somebody else post another one I was like yeah that was three years ago. Or two years yeah. ago, or whatever. So I, I, I remember I told you I thought he was already dead. It was a yeah, you were right. And I, See, I okay. should have listened to you <laughs> for once. For, for once. once. 
Then again, it wouldn't be the small hours. There you go. Yeah, it's got to be. By the way, don't forget to stop by Facebook.com slash the small hours podcast or to check out previous episodes of the small hours podcast that I'm fairly certain are better than this one. The small hours.podbean.com. <laughs> you can check that out. The small hours.podbean.com. And you can always email us small hours email at gmail.com. That's small hours email at gmail.com. Be the first person to email the show almost 20 episodes in. Small hours email. <laughs> small hours email at gmail.com. Uh, any <laughs> any uh, parting words, Joe? That's it, man. Uh, I hope I hope you guys are here for the next episode. Yeah, I hope we're here for the next episode. 20. You know, yeah. well, we're not we're not uh, anywhere considered uh, uh, the uh, the talent in that yeah. talent pool that's dying off. So right. Yeah, we should be around. We should be around for a long so, time. Yeah. So so uh, hopefully we'll see you here next time. And remember, love your kids, hug them, kiss them, buckle them up, and we'll see you next time. All right. Remember, till next time, knowledge is power, imagination is king, and intelligence your weapon. Read a good book today, enrich your mind. You've been listening to the Small Hours Podcast with Al Guevara. I'm Al Guevara. We'll catch you next time.